Thank you for downloading this podcast from Lafayette Community Church. We hope this message inspires you to know and live the life you were designed for, because we exist to help people just like you discover life in Christ. The, one of the, fam- the famous person I've ever met was Chuck Norris. Let me feed that. Now, most of my early life, younger life, emphasis on the word younger, I was heavily involved in the martial arts. I was one of the uh, combat, hand-to-hand uh, combat instructors to the 1st Ranger Battalion. That uh, These guys go with SEAL Team 6 and before anyone knows there's a problem. So, all that, my background, I'm going to see Chuck Norris. I had to look down to Chuck Norris. He's about yay high. I really thought this dude was really big. In my mind, he was big, and he is big. But he was really, it's like, uh, I didn't know whether to squeeze his hand or just say hi. Uh, but, you know, seriously, to really meet him in person was quite a, quite a deal. So that's about the most famous person I've actually met. Good morning. That was all free. <laughs> it's good to see you. Um, busy weekend, a lot of people traveling. You'll be in prayer for them, as uh, uh, whether it be Father's Day or other things. And I'm always uh, glad to be able to speak here for, um, for Jeff and to be a part of uh, this church family. Today we're going to talk about why everyone is important. Everyone is important. It doesn't matter who you are or who you think you are or what you think you are good at or not. You're important. And so as we think about family, as we think about a body, we think about the family, you know, the father has a job, mother, whatever your family design is, and they vary quite a bit, everyone has a purpose and everyone is important. So today I want to go back to the book of 1 Corinthians, and we, in fact, I'll follow up with this next week uh, as well. I'll be here filling in then too. So I want to talk about this whole idea about why everyone is important, and why is that even imp- important? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll read that passage in just a minute, but I want us to give it a little bit of an idea of what was going on in the Corinthian church. Paul had arrived in Corinth in the winter of 49-50 A.D. and lived there for about a year and a half. And while there, he supported himself making tents and perhaps working with leather, the trade that he had learned as a boy, in the workshop of Aquila and Priscilla. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. But Paul continued to be keenly interested in the development of Corinth after he had gone. And while in Ephesus... The family of uh, Chloe had business in Ephesus, and so they met up. They went to the local coffee shop or whatever they did in those days, and they said, hey, Paul, the church of Corinth, they're a mess, an absolute mess. One person is doing this, the other is doing that. Everyone's kind of idealizing things, people wanting to make sure that they get their person up and up, if everyone was for Paul, let's go. One for Apollo, let's go there. Everyone in Corinthian style were creating their own parties after the favorite person they liked. 
in order to kind of get things moving in all sorts of directions, none of which was in any sense harmonious. And so they're saying, Paul is a mess. What are we going to do? Well, he had learned about this and was concerned about how that everyone had interest, and, and sometimes the interest became passionate. And there are some things that were going on in the Corinthian church that didn't need to go on at all. And we see some of the kind of stuff that goes on in, in the first part of the, 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 the book. So some real strange oddity. And if you know anything about Corinth, it's, it's a port city. Talking about a melting pot. I mean, if, if you wanted anything, you went to Corinth. You could have it, eat it, see it, smell it, or whatever. It had everything you could imagine. And so it was a reflection in a somewhat of the area that you had this church, this group, small church in Corinth. And not only they had diversity, but that diversity had turned into divisiveness. And so it's no wonder that we come to this part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, that we get to this thing about many parts, one body. So let's read there, beginning um, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all of the parts are many, they form one body. Now get used to this. He's going to repeat this so many times you'll think, did I hear that before? And the answer is yes. So it is with, with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free. And we're all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is made up of one part but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear said to uh, something else, if, if I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body, if the whole body were an eye. Now, when I, I remember <laughs> as an older child, young teenager, reading this passage, and I thought about if we were all eyeballs, uh, all you'd see up here is one big eyeball. And I look out there, you're all big eyeballs. I mean, how odd would that be, right? We're just kind of the bopping eyeball group church. But the thing is, that's, not, that's only a part of the body. It's not the body. It's only part of it. And so he goes on in verse, verse 18, skipping on down. But in fact, listen really, really, really carefully to this. But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body... Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I want to let that sit soaking sour just for a little bit. But in fact, God has arranged, you'll get that later. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I hope you got the many parts, one body part, because that's what that was about. Why is that important? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to look at this passage and take out two very simple points and just a few things. It'll be a very, very simplistic message. But I think it's very important for us, particularly in our age, 
It's true for all ages, but particularly in our age, we sometimes, because of one movement or another, one, one sort of ideology or another, have been led either in the right path or astray. Only God will have to determine that. To how often, how quick, how much can we turn up the adrenaline to keep people coming back to church? So, so not being critical, making observations of, of things that I've seen. Not here. I don't know anything about here. We have this idea that unless you're the superstar rock pastor or you're some uh, celebrity singer or playwright or some sort of important person, Chuck Norris, then I really don't have anything to do. They don't need me. They're all gifted. They have their gifts and I have mine, but I really can't do what they can do, so therefore I'll just sort of sit. The thing about church is that this is not a place that we come to partake of, but to give to. The idea that if I talk about church as a place where I go to get my engine my, my gas, my, my car filled with gas or whatever you run on and, and see what I can soak up so that I can have all the spiritual energy I need to go out through the week. It's not really the concept of what a church is. It's only part of it. And if it's a part, it's not a part of the body. Often we will go out the doors on any given Sunday and say, wow, that was good music or wow, that was a great message. When I think it might be more appropriate for us to maybe ask the question, I wonder what God thought of that. Because I'm not so concerned about how much I can push your adrenaline button, how much you can be entertained or encouraged, though that's what we are to do. I'm more concerned, what did God think of our worship and what will we do in return? And I think the challenge is that we sometimes get in situations when we think about the body of Christ and we think about the body of Christ, we'll think about this particular body of Christ. That it all depends on just a few. After all, I'm not really gifted, I'm not equipped, I really can't do that. But according to what the scriptures just said, that God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Just as he wanted them to be. So I'm going to look at this in two, two segments. The first is this, verses 12 to 17. First, it says, and you see this in your outline that's handed out, a body has many parts or it's not a body. Have you got that part already? That's good. Okay, we got that body part thing. Good. The parts are parts are parts at Napa Auto Parts Store or O'Reilly.com. Now, under this, under this passage of Scripture, there's two things I want to, to pick out. Diversity of purpose and, and function is by design. The idea that somehow, well, I want to go to the church the way they, they believe the way I do. Well, what is that? And who gave you the inspiration to be the Holy Writ inspector so that I want to go to where they believe like I do? Okay. But in reality is the diversity and the purpose of that diversity and function of that diversity is by design. 
That's why he goes into this elaborate body metaphor of if you're if you're an eye, you have no need of the body. No, you know, you cannot go, you can live without your eyes. You just can't see anything. You can live without your ears and not be able to hear, but you can't hear very much. So God wants the body of Christ, the body here, to function so that every part is important. And secondly, purpose of function is not less than more, but more, rather. The purpose of function is not less, but more. The functionality and the, the diversity and the many facets that go into the gears that turn the wheels of any given church. The purpose and function is not less, but more. I think sometimes we are so consumed with having to offer more in order to satisfy the more seekers that we forget that sometimes less is more. You can define less however you'd want to define it. Think about it for just a minute while I get uh, something to drink. When, when a people go looking for a church, what is one of the first or two, two or three things they, they talk about? Okay, I'll tell you. Can the preacher preach? Was the music good? And then if they like the music and the preacher, they may come back. No pressure, singers. No pressure, Jeff. Yeah, you're supposed to be a rock star preacher, jump on the stage, skidding across with a $30,000 guitar, singing, bring it home, baby. And then all the singers are supposed to be just perfect. And the pastor some sort of a rocker. You don't believe it? I hope that during this pandemic that we've looked around at other churches. A lot of smoke and mirror going on out there, folks. Anything wrong with that? Not for me to say. What is for me to say is, do we value the fact that God has put each of us by his design in place for us here Regardless of what we see, if we only define as part of being a body that, well, our, my, my particular part of the body only fits in churches that matches up to my preaching style, has, you know, hundreds of voices in, in, in the ensemble, they have a spectacular children's program, they do everything for you, all you got to do is get coffee and sit down. Boy, that's spiritual, isn't it? And then they got this youth pro. Oh, man, that's how we determine whether or not we go to church. And, I, and I'm playing on that a bit. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But when we define where we go, we should not be defined by what we are getting. But is it a place where I can be able to do my giving? And I don't mean that financially, that, that too. I'm talking about giving of who I am. You're part of the body, a part that fits into the body of Christ here. But I think that we have come to the place that the body is put together with the, with the tenders, with seekers, which is good. But we need to know that God 
has designed you and me for a purpose that specifically has a purpose and function within the body. And you're not, you're not lesser than, you're the same as. And you're a part of the body and it's significant. Secondly, every person has a place because it's God's desire for you, verses 18 through 20. Every person has a place. Now, two things quickly, and I'll be able to just say what I really want to say. At the bottom it says, it's about passion, not the pressure to fill a need. I was a preacher's kid. I was a preacher's kid nine months before I knew it. you get that later, too. I was a preacher's kid, therefore, for the rest of my life. Been a pastor for 40 years. I've been in small churches. I've been in churches with probably over 30,000 members in attendance. And all ports between. It doesn't change. This paradigm does not change unless we understand it fundamentally as part of God's design. It's not about passion. or It's, it's, it's about passion, rather. It is about passion. Not the pressure to fill a need. Sometimes we say, you know, I don't want to go back to church. Because I know I go back, I can't say no. Just learn to say no. Just say, learn to say yes to what you're gifted to do. Don't just say yes to anything. I mean, I admit, I admit to you that I've never met anyone who has the spiritual gift of cleaning toilets. Never have. I've been looking for them all my life. Because you know what? It's not a spiritual gift. Somebody's got to do it. And I nominate Megan. <laughs> no, um, you know that is some things just have to be done. Somebody's got to pull the weeds out of the parking lot. Someone's got to sweep the floor, keep things clean. It's just part of having to get it done. But sometimes, if we're always serving out of pressure, guess what? As soon as you can catch your breath, you're gone, or you're going to hide. And we miss the whole purpose of what it means to have your part connected to the body. Because you're important. But if we use each other, either in leadership or within the body, as just simply function, as just matter, to fill a space, then we've missed the whole point. Again, there's a time to clean the toilet. There's a time to be helpful in the nursery. And I'm going to speak to the guys just a minute. Just saying. Guys, when was the last time you changed the diaper? Uh, don't answer that question. I haven't in a long time. But let me tell you one thing. Be glad you can wrap them up and throw them away. We used to do the cloth version. I think we did it for two weeks. We tried it. We thought that was noble, and I felt totally nobled out. And we decided to do something different. Why did I say that? Why do we leave certain jobs just to certain people just because we don't want to? We can just go so far with that because you still need to function in your purpose and design. If you don't, you will burn out, blow out, and, and walk out. Because after a while, that's why I have seen over 40 years, church, regardless of size, Many believers have so been burned and warned. As soon as they can get a chance to get away, they go. 
I don't necessarily lead the church. It's like, you know, I've been doing this thing, teaching these youth or these children or doing this home group all my life, and it seems like I just can't say no. Well, learn to say yes, but learn to say yes to the things that you love to do because it's a passion. This whole thing of the person having a place within the body of Christ is not about just function. It's a passion and not the pressure. The last thing is this. It's about having the privilege to minister and serve, not, a, not in having a position. I don't know. I guess sometimes we feel like um, we have to have a title. Um, and I, I, there are titles. There are certain guidelines in Scripture for titles. But let me, share, let me throw out one that really has, has really taken the, 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 the wear on things. It's the word Minister. Now, when, no, no, y'all, are y'all with me? I can't see you. Thank you, girl. Thank you. I got, a, I got one witness in the house. How many have ever heard the word minister? What do you think of when you think, when you hear minister? What do you think of? What do you think of? Okay. Have you ever heard the phrase, everyone is a minister? Yeah. We well, see, that's actually a true statement, but, but if you don't complete the sentence, it's not true. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. Let's give you another example. If you were to go to the hospital and visit someone that's in the church, they're friends of yours, and you were to walk up to the patient information desk and say, uh, I'm so-so from so-so church, and I'm a minister, because my pastor says everyone's a minister, and I'm here, I'm a minister, and I want to see my friend, blah, blah. You know what they're going to think? They're going to think you're a pastor. They think you're an ordained clergy cloth, man of the cloth, and a few other words. In this passage of Scripture, talking about that everyone has a place, everyone has a purpose, everyone has a function, no one is greater or lesser than, so that we can minister to the body. Other passage of Scripture talks about gifts, that within the body of Christ, he has gifted every person so that they can minister to whom? The body. But we have interchanged these words so often that minister means whatever you want it to mean. The truth is their office of pastor or elder in the church, we know that to be true, deacon and other titles, but the minister is a function, not a position. And I think the reason I want to bring light to that is I think people, when they hear that I'm a minister, it may first of all scare them to death and think, well, well I'm not really a minister, am I? Yeah, you actually are. To the body of Christ. You're uniquely gifted. Everybody in here, are. You, I don't care if you think you're not gifted, you are gifted. If your gift is opening and closing a door to let people in the front door. Now, if you're just doing it to, to be helpful, God bless you. But if you do it because you love to do that, you're, you, you'll never have to be called about showing up at church because you will call and let them know that you're not. Because that's your passion. Don't mess with their door. They love that door. And they love to welcome people. They love to smile. Why? Because that's just who they are. Others will say, look at there, that old John Blow out there. Every Sunday, he's been there for years and years and years. I guess he doesn't do anything for this church but stand there and welcome people. Hello! I mean, we, we, are we missing it? I know people think that. Listen, I've been around. I've heard my mom and dad talk about things in the back seat of the car coming home from church way too many years. 
I've heard it, and I've also been a part of hearing it myself. When people find a place to minister, that's not a title. It is a function to the body of Christ. That's why you are important. Why would God turn his body to this local assembly over to people that he did not equip, did not give a sense of purpose and function, and say, I have by design put you into this place? Now think about that for a minute as we close. When we begin to think of it that way, you know, it really takes, it really takes the pressure off of things. Because if it's just about filling up a place, sometimes that has to be done. If the, if the floor wasn't vacuumed, somebody may have to do that. But as a general rule, ask yourself, where has God gifted and purposed you in the body? Because your part whether it's the foot or the hand or the eye or anything else, is extremely important to fit within the body of Christ. And when we understand that that is by God's design, I think it flips the paradigm on church. It's not a matter of just participation. It's about transformation. It's about being transformed and using their gifts and abilities that God has given us to minister within the body of Christ. All things work together for good because that is by God's design. So, sort of to be continued next week, but on a different topic, but something similar. I want you to think about this. this I'm not going to change a culture in one message. You know, don't, I, don't you think I know that? I know you're going to go to sleep on this thing just like anyone else go to sleep on the next message. I get that. I fall asleep on my dad's messages. So, but at the end of it, what, what are we going to do with it? I've always been concerned. One of the things I have, have used as a counselor for years and years and years and years, information about changing your relationship is nothing but more weight until information becomes transformation. We're so smart now we can't stand it. So when you want couples to change in the marriage or individuals to change in behavior, it's not just about knowing something different. But it's because we're, we're so smart now we can't stand ourselves. Information has to become transformation. And I won't use the other word that I'm thinking of. That it just sort of stops everything up. It all rhymes. So you see, we don't want to back up the river, the flow of the Spirit, because we don't need smarter folk. We need broken folk. We need humble folk. We need to be loving folk. So I leave you with that thought and that challenge, and I ask you only to do that. If you didn't hear anything from me, Ask yourself this question, one simple question. God, what part did you want me to hear? I mean, I don't dare you. I mean, I wish you would. Don't try to remember what I said. That's that's dangerous. But ask God, God, what I heard today, whether I liked it or didn't like it, what 
did you want me to hear? And if you don't get nothing back, either you've got a problem or I've got a problem. Because I promise you, God don't have a problem. I really believe God wants to speak to us. I think really God wants to challenge us and give us purpose. Because you are important. Every one of you. For the cause of Christ. Thanks for listening to this message from Lafayette Community Church. We are all about helping you live the life you were made to live. God made you. God loves you. And His plans for you are perfect. So if you are anywhere near Lafayette, Indiana, join us this weekend at one of our worship gatherings. And wherever you are, check us out online at lafayettecommunitychurch.com.